Hey guys, this sucks. I I wanted to end this mental floss series, and it keeps messing with my mental state. I was on Twitter, just glued to it, cause I couldn't watch the news. CNN, MSNBC, all those folks, they just kept playing the video over and over and over again and then the protests and all you see is the bad stuff and at least twitter gave me some hope you saw some officers in some states that kneeled put down their weapons and just listened to the protesters there was one video that an officer was talking to a little black boy and he just started crying And I just started crying because that's all it takes is for them to just listen to us. That's all it takes. And none of this would have happened if justice was served. But unfortunately, that's not the world that we live in. And I I don't know. I wanted to, as a podcast... I wanted to write a statement and just say those things, condoning and all that good stuff. But I was not in a mental space to write anything. And even now, after the weekend, I'm still not 100%. I don't know if I can ever be 100%. I think I'll be at 100% in moments. I will be okay when I'm talking or if I'm laughing and you walk outside and the birds are chirping and today was a good day, as Ice Cube would say. Ice Cube Twitter was really good too. Side note, it was good to hear the old Cube. He wasn't predator mode <laughs> like I was hoping him to be. I'm pretty sure there was a t- one or two tweets that reflected that but the him and ice tea those two i was more surprised with ice cube because i thought that he sold out (laughs) but i guess not he kept it real and it's funny too how van jones and don lemon where have you been it was it was refreshing to see that (sighs) so what what do we do oh so On Twitter, Michael Ford kept pressing and pressing, like, we need some statements. We need some statements. We need statements from organizations. We need statements from architecture firms. We need to know that you're with us. We need to know that you support us. And don't take the neutral route. Be vocal. Like, just take a stand. Believe in something. You know what I'm saying? So there was one or two, and even today, some are trickling down. And you can't expect, I'm in my mind, well, I, I think I posted this too. You can't expect these organizations or these architectural firms to come out and, and say it because we're in a service industry. And firms, especially larger firms, they they want business. They have they have mouths to feed. They have their own mouths to feed. They want to keep the company running. And some of the clients side of the police, then they do us. And, you know, it's just facts. This is me. This is Melissa talking. 
I had no expectations of firms or organizations to come out and say what they say, or even individuals to come out and say what they say. Uh, I did note there were two white women that I talked to on a regular about race relations and well, online, I acknowledge, but there's one other woman that I've talked to, a uh, white woman that I talked to about race relations. And I, and I appreciate all of them, actually. And sometimes I just don't agree with them. And other times we just, we both learn something out of the conversation. Sometimes we're like, you know what, you believe what you believe and I believe what I believe. And it's a, it's a good thing. I, I, I think that's what's needed in all of this. In my my old jobs, I cannot go to them and have this conversation, to have any of these conversations without feeling awkward or without feeling uneased or just not myself, you know? Like because when you have conversations with individuals with your colleagues, when you're in an architecture firm, you and the admin person are the only black people in the office whether it's five people or 25 people or 50 people the job I had that was like the longest stint of my experience I was the only black female and the only other black female was the administrative person that was it and they hired like two other administrative persons and yeah, I was, I was the only one for a long time. Now there was another woman, but she was African and I don't want to, I put an asterisk on that because Africans and African American experiences are two completely things. So it's, it's kind of hard for them to understand. Well, I shouldn't, they're, I'm putting words in, in, in other people's mouths and I don't like to do that. So I, I think the only way is to have some, <laughs> to have some on my podcast and have this conversation. So I'm a pause on that part, but the only conversations I can have about black life, black experiences was with the administrator and I appreciate her. A whole lot. I really do miss her. I have no idea what she's doing right now. She kind of disappeared, but there's one I do keep in touch. She came to my wedding, so we're we're close. I understand the difficulties in working when you're the only one and you want to talk about certain things, but you can't because the white man or white woman that conversation is filtered. It's filtered as f. Okay, like you, you don't want to be perceived as anything and they don't want to be perceived as anything or they just don't give a what and they just going to say what they're going to say. It's, it's a gamble. It's a risk. And you have to be emotionally prepared to carry on with the rest of your day. Do you really? It's a gamble and it's, it's a gamble on your career. It's a gamble on your profession. No. Ness. Because you don't know. You don't know what they're thinking. You don't know if they have that client card in the back of their pocket. You don't know if they voted for Trump. Or worse yet, they claim to be a liberal and they're not. And I've come across that experience more than anything else. I've come across white women, white men who 
are as liberal as F. And then little things come out, right? Here's an example. I can't remember if I told this story. I apologize if I told this story before, but here it goes. So I had a a coworker and she, okay, I'm going to tell the story. I had a coworker because it may, it may bite me back in the ass, but it's true. It's, this is a true story. And so if it, uh, this, okay, here's the story. <laughs> there was this white woman and she was looking to put her child in she was looking for a school so in dc there are charter schools and then there's public schools and so everybody just like you put your child in a charter school because you don't want to you don't want your child to go to the neighborhood school because nine times out of ten the performance is not great so she was looking to put her child in a charter school and it's really challenging to say the least. Hats off to all the parents in the District of Columbia who wants to give their kids the best education. I know for me, charter schools was not a thing back then. I was fortunate enough to be able to go out of my boundary school and to go to a, a school that really allowed me to find myself and to be myself. So hats off to School Without Walls. The demographics have changed completely (laughs) since I've been there. But I don't know how it is now. But to allow me to discover architecture in high school and to craft it the way that I believe that I should. Like for me to be a whole of my education and not allow anybody else to dictate my education. I mean, of course, there was like requirements and stuff you have to and test taking every other day, but it allowed me to be who I am. I learned a lot about DC and about the African-American experience, history. It was a solid education for me, and I really appreciate that school. Anyways, my former co-worker was struggling to find a school for her child, and so we had this whole discussion, and some way, somehow, race came into it. And I think I suggested a school or something. And she kind of just looked at me. And she was like, I don't want my child to be a minority. And I was just, I just stepped back. Like, I was, what? She didn't want her child to be the only white child in the school. Or to be a minority in that school. And a whole bunch of stuff came up. We are living in totally different worlds. Because even though my upbringing was in D.C. and was Chocolate City. And I did not experience being a minority till I hit college. What did she think about me? How, did she, how was her perception of me? She she knew what school I went to and all this other stuff. And she approved of the school, like Walls. She's like, yeah, I would send my child to Walls. But my child wasn't interested in going to that school because of, like, whatever. And Walls is now majority white. It's okay for me to be a minority in this firm. It's okay for be a minority in school. But it's not okay for your son to be. Is it that you think that the education wasn't up to par? Did you think that 
your child would be discriminated against because your child is a minority? All these questions that I did not ask her. I did not confront her. And I wish I did. Now, at the time, we were close friends. Like, I, she was my friend. And we did have conversations about race before. But I knew how she was. And so I knew that as soon as I left the company, we wouldn't talk anymore. I knew that from the get-go. I, I knew that. And it hurts that we are not talking, but I don't have the strength to deal with that anymore. I don't. I really don't. And especially now when I only need allies. I only need white men and women who support the cause a thousand percent and would actually speak up and say something. Not like I'll say something to you, but I can't, I can't, I can't jeopardize what others think of me. I know I don't need that. And, and that's the problem, right? That's the problem. I, I, I gauge things. This is this this is a good test, right? If the black, if, <laughs> this is I've never no I've tried this before. Okay, so to know that a white person is down, invite them to something that you're having, right? Like just have them come over to your house, right? And it's like, hey, you know, I'm having a barbecue. Oh, hey, I'm having a party. I'm having a get-together. Come on over and see if they come. See if they show up. Because I've been to plenty of their parties. I've I've always gotten invited to, to, to their parties. I shouldn't say always. But I've been invited to some. And I look around and I'm like the only one. I'm like, okay, great. I can't be myself. But would they come to your house? Would they would they have a perception of oh she lives in the ghetto my car may get stolen, like how how does all that work? I've never had any of my white colleagues come over to my house. I've had parties. I've had I've had a birthday party, a huge birthday party. None of them showed up. Like it was all excuses. Just down the road, it was just excuses, and. I'm like, okay, all right. But they always want me to attend to their things. It's always in Virginia. God damn it. It's always <laughs> in Virginia. And I'm just like, Virginia scares me. Like there, I, I used to date a guy who lived in Virginia. And I I hated going there. I'm good with Maryland. It, it's just, and it's funny, I almost moved down south. That's, that's like, I almost moved down south. But yeah, so... Back to back to reality, right? Like back to working and functioning, and I have I've had a feeling that things won't change. How would you feel if the election was held and the president wins again? What would you do? How would you feel? How would you function? How do you deal with those co-workers? You know? And you don't want to think about it, but you, you kind of have to. 
How do you move on with your career? What what advice would you give to your future self to move on? I have no clue. I going back to architecture and working in an architecture firm. What what do you do? I have some thoughts about that. I can only express my experience and how I am moving through this space. I don't like to give advice because everybody's different and everybody's at different stages in their experience and in their life, you know. Some people are single, some people are married, some people are single with kids, some people are are divorced with kids, some people, it's a mixed bag out there. So how do you move through this space? What I did was I decided to take control of my career. And that involved confidence. Confidence in that you know what you're doing. You know how to put a set together. Like you just know. How to put a set together. So you have confidence in that. There are things that you still don't know. Like you may not know certain how to detail things. How new things are put together. You have solid revenue skills. So that, that helps in that confidence, right? So now what? Now money, right? The most important thing. You need to be able to live. You got to pay rent. You got to pay those student loans. You got a car note. You got a credit card. You got, you got, you got some bills. What do you do? Or you are working on your IDP on that. I'm sorry, AXP, whatever. You're working on that or you're working on your license or you're not licensed or you are licensed. Whatever stage are you at, you need to have confidence and you need to know what steps that you need to get. So I guess the, the thing to say is that the ultimate step is to be licensed, right? And you don't want to be licensed and not confident. Because you don't want to get hired and someone will be like, hey, do this. And you're like, oh, I don't know how to do this. I just, I got a license right out of school. I don't know what the hell this is. You don't want that. You need to be confident and you need to be working towards your license. So with me, I am confident. However, I do not have my license. But that, if you're confident and you don't have your license like me, there are other things you can do. And I guess it's part of this podcast is... For me to try to figure this shit out as to why I'm not licensed and my mental state and all this other stuff. But that's a different story. So you have the confidence. Now you need a plan, right? You need to you need a plan to get the hell out if your work environment is not kosher. I think that no matter what situation that you're in, no matter what scenario, if you're if you are mentally struggling, if you're like crying every day, you hate your damn job, quit. Okay? This this is your mentalness is the most important thing. F the career. F everything. You need to be mentally stable because you can't function. You cannot function. I've tried. I've tried and I've and I've failed miserably because I did not acknowledge my feelings. I did not acknowledge that I'm in a toxic relationship with my job. I understand you have to pay bills, but in the meantime, get that other job and and don't worry about your resume. Just do something on the side. And then that's your way of explaining. Like just, just work on your portfolio or I mean, find pro bono work, do something, renovate the room, renovate something like just, you can always create a project. 
Don't be afraid to create your own project. You know people, and this is what confidence come in. I can I can put a set together, right? So if anybody needs any drawings or just advice, I'm doing a renovation of a kitchen. And then how do you find these people? This is where you got to put yourself out there. This is where you have to network and go online and just just find it or you don't have to talk to anybody just create your own project and just record it and just put it out in the world and you'll be surprised as to who you attract so there are a thousand ways it's just you're not in that space right now to be creative because you're miserable that's that's the thing you hate everything and the goal is to not be miserable because it's only you it's you Understand? It's your body, it's your mind, it's your soul. And the only responsibility you have first, if you're religious, you know, Allah or God or whomever, but it's you. You got to make sure you are healthy and make sure that you are mentally stable. So get out. You, you got to get out. And find what you want to do. Here's another thing. What if you can't get out? What if you're stuck? You're not a U.S. citizen and and the job you have are, are holding your papers or you just financially, you just, you got to keep this job. Like it's, it's, there's no other way. I need this income. Completely understandable. Then this is where you have to do some math. If, if it's your papers, then you have to stay there for a certain period of time. Like there's no way out of it unless you want to run back home to whatever country you're from. You, you, there's no choice. On the other hand, there's people who I need this money. So let's devise a plan. You have to sit down, look at the books, how much money that you have, that how much money that you need to get out of this, this, and this, and then set yourself a timetable. I think that when you have a plan to leave, it gives you hope because then you're just marking down a calendar. So I have a year, a year of this hell. And then once you decide how long you have, then you need to devise ways to cope. You need to just, you just got to figure out some ways to deal with the everyday. I don't know everybody's situation. I'm trying to think, let's see. I remember when I was out of school, I had to leave school and I was just working in the back of a kitchen at weekends and I worked in this little shop and I also worked at the FDR Memorial in their bookstore. I was just tired all the time, but I knew the three jobs that I had, this money would help me through school. This money would pay bills and just help me get back into school. Or even when I I had to work during school, that was also difficult because how do you handle studio and working? Like I, I was almost working full time and going to studio and that mentally drained me. But I needed to do that in order to finish my degree. And uh, in the end, I ended up leaving the school. I, I couldn't finish studio. And the whole point of me even being there was just finish studio. And that's another thing too. When you're in the middle of this, when you have to stay at your job or you have to stay because of papers or whatever, you you may burn out. And that's another thing. In that process, you're doing something, looking for jobs, doing that side hustle or 
you're creating new situations for yourself. You need to create your own. You need to start weaving your own destiny. You can't just sit back and hope that you become principal someday at this firm. Or you're just living life. That may not be you. I mean, I know maybe one or two black people that have done that. That stayed and worked their way all the way up to the top. And that's their that's their life. That's not mine. That's, I was not destined to do that. So, yeah. Okay. Wow. I didn't think I could talk this long. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm going to end this. It was good talking. And I feel a little better, actually. Oh, one other thing before I leave. If you know this, but I don't say my name in the beginning of these things. I don't introduce myself. I don't tell you to subscribe. I do tell you to become a member, but I don't encourage you to click that like button or follow me on the social media channels. I don't do that. The podcast industry, that's like the number one thing you do. You say your name. Even on radio, you say your name and you tell people to tune in and you tell you tell people what to do, essentially. And it makes sense because people follow that thing. But I, I don't, I always go back to my intent as to why I created this podcast in the first place. Why is it important for me to talk to black and brown folks about architecture And aside from you don't hear the voice, you don't hear that perspective. It's, and oh, let me caveat before I say it. It's not like I don't want that. I I do want you to know who I am. My name is Melissa Daniel, Melissa R. Daniel, because there's a Melissa Daniel out there that she's a singer songwriter. So I don't want you to get confused with her. So that's what the R comes in. Melissa R. Daniel. My podcast, Architectural is Political, and I do want you to tune in. Yes, I want you to do all those things. I guess I'm still working through the whole promoting thing, and I'm I'm good at promoting on social media or on paper or whatever. I'm, I'm confident in that. But to say, hey, look at me, follow me, like, I don't know. It's it's an internal thing. It's it's a personal preference. And at some point, I'll start saying my name. At some point, I'll tell you to subscribe all the time. And that's the thing. Like, you say it all the time. And it's really weird. First of all, it's weird hearing your voice. It's really weird hearing your voice. Because you start picking at yourself. You're like, I say, I say like and you know all the time. Even even in my regular vernacular, I'll say, you know, and like, like, like. Fortunately, the software I use erases these things. So you don't hear it and be annoyed at it. And then secondly, it's weird to say your name. Like, it's just weird. And I don't even think people, people who know me don't even call me Melissa. They call me other names. So, and I was never really fond with my name, Melissa. It's... I don't think I look like a Melissa. This is TMI. I'm sorry. So yeah. So thanks for listening. All right, guys. Be safe. Take care of yourself. Take some social media breaks. Take some TV breaks. 
wash your hands, wear your mask, stay black, stay brown, stay white. If you're white, just be who you are and understand everybody struggles differently. Everybody's pain and the way we all react to the pain varies and it has different periods of highs and lows. So uh, just be kind to yourself and to others. I'll try to do the same. All right, guys. Bye. listeners i have an exciting announcement i decided to launch a membership program for the show where you have a chance to support me and the show directly i love creating this show and it means the world to me that you all tune in to keep hearing me week after week but it takes an immense amount of time and energy to produce i want to keep the show going and i want to invest in its growth and I also want you to become a partner with me in this journey. That's why I'm excited to give you a chance to officially become a supporter of the show at glow.fm slash archispolly, A-R-C-H-I-S-P-O-L-L-Y, or by clicking the link in the show notes. It's quick and easy. It takes less than 30 seconds and just takes clicking a link in the show notes and using Apple or Google Pay. You don't have to create any new logins and you can contribute as much or as little as you like. If this show is part of your day or week and you like what I'm doing, then visit glow.fm slash archespolly, all one word, and support me and the show in any way you can today.